River Basin, and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk describes the celestial red triangle in this week's nighttime sky. Then, Brent and Michelle from Two Creek Farm share their thoughts and vision for this 100-acre regenerative organic farm located in Lakewood, Pennsylvania. I got to meet my pasture-raised Thanksgiving turkey. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. First, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. As snow falls in the Ukrainian capital, officials there say nearly half the country's energy system has been knocked offline by Russian missile strikes. NPR's Jason Bobian reports attacks have caused major power outages across Ukraine. In the southern port of Odessa, some neighborhoods have been without electricity for more than two days. Many businesses have had to shut down and others work next to the noisy hum of portable generators. Ukraine's national power company says it's scheduling rolling blackouts in 19 of the country's 24 regions, plus the capital, Kiev. In the southeastern city of Zaporizhia, a missile strike overnight knocked out a heating plant, leaving nearly 20,000 residents without heat as the temperature drops below freezing. This week, the top spokesman for the Russian Federation, Dmitry Peskov, stated that Russia is directly targeting civilian infrastructure to try to force Ukraine into peace talks. Jason Bobian, NPR News, Kyiv. A Polish man was buried today, one of two men killed when a missile struck their village this week. Polish officials say it was an accident when a Ukrainian missile was defending against a Russian attack. Lawyers representing an Indiana doctor have asked a judge to block the state attorney general from requesting information about her patients and their medical records. Indiana Public Broadcasting's Violet Comer-Wyland reports. Dr. Caitlin Bernard has been under fire from Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita since she provided an abortion to a 10-year-old rape victim from Ohio. Rokita has brought up alleged consumer complaints as part of his investigation. Bernard's lawyer, Kathleen Delaney, says those allegations are untrue. The consumer complaints were 100% filed by people who had never met Dr. Bernard, had never gotten medical care from Dr. Bernard, were not involved in the care of this patient in any way, shape, or form. A spokesperson for Rokita said the Office of the Attorney General always follows the law. The hearing continues on Monday. For NPR News, I'm Violet Comber-Wyland in Indianapolis. There have been a number of changes to Twitter since Elon Musk acquired the social media platform last month. First, there were mass layoffs. And this week, there were mass resignations after Musk said that employees must agree to long hours at high intensity. NPR's Camila Dominoski reports at this point, 
It's unclear if the company will survive. Tweets are still loading on the timeline. The risk, obviously, is that this could change basically at any time, right? Elon Musk laid off a bunch of people. It was the first thing he did when he bought Twitter. And then this week, there were more mass resignations. So now the question is really, if something breaks at Twitter, do they have the people on staff they need to fix it? NPR's Camila Dominoski reporting. This is NPR News from Washington. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Brent and Michelle from Two Creek Farm share their thoughts and vision for this 100-acre regenerative organic farm located in Lakewood, Pennsylvania. During my visit on a hot August morning, I got to meet my pasture-raised Thanksgiving turkey that was gobbling up bugs and seeds. But first, here's Keith Hubbard with Star Talk. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced farm and country. For farm and country, I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Three objects will form a red triangle in the sky this week. Two of the objects will be stars, and the third will be a planet. The stars will be Aldebaran in Taurus and Betelgeuse in Orion. Taurus marks the eye of the bull and Betelgeuse marks the right shoulder of Orion. The planet will be Mars. Of the three, Mars will be the brightest. The planet will be 11 times brighter than Aldebaran and nearly 8 times brighter than Betelgeuse. Before midnight, the trio will form a triangle pointing down with Betelgeuse being the lowest point. They will be in the eastern sky starting at nightfall and will drift to the south as night progresses. Beginning around 1 a.m., the triangle will flip and will point up with Mars being the highest point. The triangle will remain in this orientation until sunrise. Aldebaran is an older star, slightly larger than our sun. It lies 66 light years away from Earth, which is a stone's throw away in cosmic terms. Betelgeuse is a red supergiant near the end of its life and is one of the largest stars visible to the naked eye. It lies 498 light years away. Mars is slowly drifting above Aldebaran, and by the end of the year, it will be directly above Aldebaran. Take a moment this week to look for three red objects, Aldebaran, Betelgeuse, and Mars, to form a triangle in the eastern sky starting at nightfall. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. This is Rosie Starr. Earlier this year, I was invited to tour Two Creek Farm in Lakewood, Pennsylvania, which is a 100-acre regenerative organic farm. Two Creek Farm owners, Brent and Michelle, live a deliberate and purposeful existence with high aspirations to create an awareness 
of the role of biodiversity in agriculture in addressing climate crisis. After purchasing and enjoying their rainbow eggs from their Narrowsburg farm market stand, I was eager to visit this historic farm in northeast Pennsylvania. I'd like you to introduce yourself now. Tell me a little bit about your background that got you inspired to be where you are right now. Sure. My name is Brent. It's been a long journey to get here to running Two Creek Farm. I started work in the corporate world. I was in New York for a number of years, and that didn't fulfill me in a certain way. I ran my own business, sold that business, and then decided to spend time giving back. I went to Africa and spent a number of years uh, with an NGO focused on economic development. I did a lot of work with agriculture there, cocoa and coffee, trying to help smallholder farmers to increase their incomes. Uh, But then climate change began to impact that work, and we were trying to support farmers, but they couldn't succeed because of climate change. So I then decided to pivot and work on climate change more directly and spent a number of years in Asia based out of Shanghai focusing on climate change, working with businesses, working with countries, and as well as working with cities. But that big picture climate work for me ended up being somewhat frustrating. The progress was very slow. There was a lot of talk and not a lot of decision-making that really aligned with what the climate required. So I decided to take a step back from that and really sort of focus on this combination of farming and climate activism, which is regenerative agriculture. So the past three years, I've really, rather than working at a big picture level, I'm engaged at a very hands-on level working at at Two Creek Farm. And Two Creek Farm is deep in Wayne County, very high up. It's an impressive amount of land. Tell us where this footprint of land is and describe the animals and the products that you have here. Yeah, so the farm is a historical dairy farm. Uh, So it has that legacy. It has about 40 acres of pasture, 60 acres of uh, woodlands, a lot of diversity here in terms of streams and hemlock groves, but then open pasture, a lot of rich biodiversity on the farm. We've decided to leave the pastures that were pastures as pastures. So, you know, we're really only grazing the original 40 acres that they were using for dairy. And now we're uh, grazing sheep for lamb. We also have 500 layers. And so we sell organic Rainbow eggs is is one of our popular products. We also grow meat, chickens, broilers. Uh, We grow heritage broilers. We have pigs, so Berkshire uh, pigs. Um, And we we also have a line of CBD products from our uh, organic CBD. And seasonally, we grow turkeys. So we'll have one batch of turkeys we're growing for Thanksgiving. All of these are organic uh, products. I've heard the term value added. I don't know if that applies to your concept in farming. 
you have such a diversity. Is value added your concept included? Well, we do some value added processing. That's where you take the primary product and somehow transform it to target a different market and capture more value. We certainly do that with our CBD, where we grow the the plant, the flower, and then we do process that into both tincture as well as cosmetic products. So we do some value-added processing there. With the meats, some processing just through through cuts. But yeah, we're not we don't have any processed uh, meat products at the moment. You took us on a farm tour, and we noticed that you have turkeys and chickens that lay eggs. People want turkeys for Thanksgiving, and they want eggs for their breakfast. (laughs) Remind us the uh, breeds that you have. Where can the consumer purchase your items? So we have a pretty decent number of layer breeds, and we think that contributes to the quality of the eggs. They're heritage layer breeds. We have barred rocks. We have black australorps for the colored layers. We've got americanas. Uh, we've got uh, olive eggers for our green eggs. Um, we've got black copper moran for the, the dark brown eggs. So l- large variety of uh, layers. The turkeys, we have two breeds. We have a white breed, the white holland. And then we have a bronze breed. Those are both heritage turkeys. In terms of buying our products, we sell at the Narrowsburg Farmer's Market. We also sell through a variety of local retailers, and that information would be on our website, twocreek.net, and you could see then the different stores that would carry our products. We started off, you were so gracious to escort us around your property with a a treehouse and a... um, water source to shower and cleanse. Talk about that little project. Well, I built a treehouse with my dad many years ago, so it was sort of a family project. But then Michelle had the idea of opening that up as an Airbnb, and we've done that, and that's been very successful. This is the first season. As a part of that, we did have to offer facilities, and we wanted to offer sort of glamping-level facilities. So we had to then figure out, well, what's the water source? What's the power source? How do we deal with uh, septic, all that? So as a result of that, we designed a mobile unit, a wash station that has a composting toilet in it, which is really a great toilet. We're very, very surprised at, at how comfortable that is for being not, not a, a normal water toilet. We also then put in... Uh, hot water shower that is fed by a spring. So we have unlimited water, uh, take long hot showers, all those conveniences, but you can also stay in an off-grid treehouse. So that's sort of one of our projects this season to get that up and running. During the tour, we got the impression that you're very much a Renaissance man and your knowledge and ability to bring this vision of sustainable farming into your life. I know that you want to share this knowledge because that's really the future of how our planet will be healed. How will you go about doing this? Yeah, so we are doing what we do here with the idea of being a demonstration. 
such that other farms can learn and we'll have some failures to share and some successes to share and we're still figuring out the right way to engage in that sharing so I think there's some important transfer to other farmers but we're also interested in using this to connect with and educate the general public there could be exchange with farmers but on the other hand residents of Wayne County might come they might then join and learn something about regenerative and organic agriculture and and why that's important with climate change becoming more and more serious so agriculture has to find a path that it can operate and regenerate itself without relying on fossil fuel based either fertilizers or pesticides or herbicides so i think that's you know in a sense uh that's sort of the whole point of this, is that we're less dependent. We do obviously face many challenges. I think at the moment, we're still in a heavy growth mode, so work-life balance is an enormous challenge. To find time to, to rest and recharge is, is not easy to come by. You mentioned that you purchased the farm in the year 2000, but you only have come to be here for three years what is your vision and aspirations? What is it that you'd like to accomplish? Let's just say you'll live to 100. What is your greatest aspiration? For me personally, it's a more complex question. But for the farm, the idea is that this farm would be an abundant farm for hundreds of years. That the work that we do now will continue to deliver more and more agricultural abundance for centuries. That's really what we're thinking about in terms of trees that we're planting now that really won't become productive for many, many years in the future. So, yeah, everything is with an eye on sort of how this can not only sustain itself, meaning just not fail to degrade itself, but the, the idea of regeneration is that it's getting better and better. We're strengthening the ecosystem, the biodiversity, year on year. So ideally this would be an example of sort of an agriculture and natural system that, yeah, that would have increasing benefits decade after decade. We have an educational mission around regenerative agriculture, around climate activism, so... Uh, we definitely would want to include some education about that in addition to just looking at cute animals. We can't really achieve the impact that we want on 100 acres. We have to share this more broadly. We're continuing our conversation at Two Creek Farm, and Brent's partner will speak now and tell us what her role is at Two Creek Farm. Hi, my name is Michelle. And um, I am one of the owners of Two Creek Farm. I am the director of outreach and education here. Outreach and education is a big topic in itself. How do you do that? Get to the public and share what you do here. Because it's a startup business, we're really in the infancy stages of this aspect of the farm. But as a former teacher myself, it is really important for me to connect with the younger generation. So um, I'm really interested in developing a curriculum, bringing kids to the farm to see where their food comes from, to have the hands-on experience, for them to understand what they can do at any age. 
and even the small steps that we can all take to contribute to making the world a better, healthier, more sustainable and responsible environment. Well, I think we can't imagine how difficult climate change will make our lives and how everything will change by necessity. So in a sense, what we're trying to do is run ahead of that and prepare with models that are able to not only lessen climate change, but also allow agriculture to function despite climate change. And it's incredibly important to begin that work now. We have to respect nature as our teacher. And I think that's really the core of regenerative agriculture. Look at who's trying to greet us here. Look how beautiful. On that hot August morning, I walked around Two Creek Farm with owners Brent and Michelle. Their tour included a visit to the pasture where the turkey heritage breeds were peacefully pecking at the ground, gobbling their organic food source. Portable, um, so you can see it's based on a used trailer bed. Um, it's essentially just roosts which is how the turkeys like to rest and sleep, and then there's a shade cloth on top. Uh, it doesn't even protect from rain because they don't mind the rain. They just need a little relief from the sun. We have had some attacks from owls, um, and uh, we lost five to owls when we started putting the turkeys out here, and that's why we've added all these crazy... CDs and little strips of uh, reflective material because that sort of spooks the owls and then they won't attack. Do your predators include uh, foxes? We would have any number of predators um, except for the electric fence. So the electric fence would take care of fox and coyotes, um, all kinds of uh, different uh, fishers, all kinds of predators we would for sure have um, eat all of these. Um, that's the benefit of the electric fence. And then there's a solar panel on top Hello. so that um, basically that just charges itself and and uh, we just have, we just move it every week or so. But yeah, all of the power that this uses is coming from the solar panels. Uh, tell me, uh, why did you, why is it portable? Why is it It's moving? portable in order to give the turkeys access to fresh pasture. That way they consume some of the grasses, insects, worms. If they're on the same spot, they'll kind of burn that out. If they keep moving, then um, they have access to that as a significant amount of their diet. Um, and it also then spreads their manure across the uh, pasture so that it's spread uniformly in a way that can benefit the quality of soil and build living soil. Whereas if they were just here, they would burn it all out. It would be too much manure, would kill everything, and then it wouldn't really regenerate the, the pasture. 
So this is actually a tool then to make the pasture better, um, such that then when the sheep graze, they have access to better uh, forage as well. Mm-hmm. So, so you would classify these as free-range turkeys? Yeah, fr- free-range is a, a very um, low-value term. Free-range would just mean that they would be in a house and have access to a small amount of uh land outdoors that could be just dirt or and it could be very small uh, and they may never use it and it would still qualify as free range so this is well beyond free range we'd use the term pasture raised because they're on grass uh, for the majority of their lives what what species of turkeys we have two we have white uh, hollands and bronze turkeys these are both heritage breeds now they're about eight weeks old, and they'll grow another, probably another eight weeks before harvest. So they'll be ready well in time for Thanksgiving. But we do expect they'll sell out. It seems like it's just grass right now that we're walking on. Did you plant anything? Oh, there's red clover. What, what is here that they're eating that's so great? Yeah, I mean, they would eat all of this. Um, they pick what they like. Um, I think they certainly prefer insects, um, but then you'll see they take little uh, little bites of whatever they they like. There's a little goldenrod here, or you know whatever they are interested in. Um, what happens in a severe weather? Do you have to come and protect them? No, turkeys are pretty hardy by this age, so um, it could be an, an enormous storm. They'll they'll be fine. Their uh, feathers are quite waterproof. You're so beautiful. Thank you for letting us come close to you. <laughs> Thank you for being. Yeah. This is Rosie Star. More information is available at twocreek.net. Two Creek Farm is part of the Project YI Farm that will be on display December in the Digital Gallery at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. This production highlights the inspiration of local farmers. YI Farm was curated by Pat Carollo with photography by Woody Goldberg and interview audios by Rosie Starr. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guests, Brent and Michelle, from Two Creek Farm. A bow of gratitude to all the farmers who grow our food. In every crisis and all weather seasons, They are 24-7 life support for our planet. 
I recommend you get to know the people that grow your food. And I honor the indigenous heritage of the Lenape Nation of Pennsylvania. Their history is rich with tradition and community. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This week on This American Life. You Jews of the world, stop worrying about money and well-being. This is Adam, reading from the diary he kept as a teenager. He is Jewish and had a lot of big ideas. If this situation continues when I'm a bit older, then watch out, world Jewry, here comes Adam. And watch out, world Jewry, <laughs> here comes Adam was all in capital letters. Revisiting your own childhood this week. Saturday at 6 on Radio Catskill.